Hi, welcome to NDE TV. I'm Peggy Robinson. Today's guest is Joe Morris, and he's going to tell us about his near-death experience. Hi, Joe. Hello, Jojo here. I'm so, so excited to be with you, Miss Peggy. Thank you for having me on. Um, for anyone listening, the fact that you hear, are hearing this is an absolute miracle, so do not take this next time for granted. If you're hearing these sounds right now, God has specifically called you to stop what you're doing and tune in. So for me, everything started in 1995 when I was born. My family was just a mainstream American family, living a normal life. My mom wore pants, makeup, did everything like anyone else would do. And as my parents started having more children, by the age of five, we started going to homeschool conventions. At one of these homeschool conventions, my parents met this group called the Mennonites. And I didn't know anything. I was just still a little kid at this time. But within a few months, my parents moved in with this group. And we started living on a farm. We started growing our own food. And life completely turned on its head. It was a very isolated environment. For the next 15 years of my life, I grew up in this very sheltered environment. And I love the Mennonites. But we were in a group from Oklahoma that was a non-denominational group. They called themselves Anabaptists. I have a lot of respect for this group. Um, I'm not here to throw them under the bus. But the group I was in was very cult-like. They um, had a lot of rules that they were following that really were not necessary to love Jesus. There was a lot of oppression growing up as a child, a lot of anger in the home, a lot of whippings that were completely unnecessary. I understand you got to discipline your children but these went out of hand. I mean, my sister got over 300 swats multiple times that just would get unleashed on her and she would have her legs would be welted up, bruised. And you I mean remember this was seeing after those things that would happen. Amish? Yes, Mennonite actually. They were Mennonites okay. in Oklahoma. Okay. Yeah. And so we started living under this oppressive rule and reign by my parents. And it, it, we really were in a dark season. As a family, my I've eight. I, well, there's eight of us siblings all together: four boys, four girls. And my parents have such a passion for the truth that they'll sacrifice anything to get it. And so we were cut off from all of our extended relatives. Remember, we joined from the outside. And so we're now in this like bubble, sewing our own clothes, growing our own food. People would stop on the road, hop out of their cars, and be like, "Oh, don't be the Amish! Don't be the Amish!" They'd be taking photos of us. But the reason I'm telling you this is because shortly after, when I turned uh, 13, 14, I had severe anger issues, raging anger tantrums, like a demonic oppression. And this whole time, ever since I can remember, I always wet my bed every night. So I had intense shame as a teenager. I carried so much shame with me that I couldn't control my bladder at night. Doctors checked me out. They're like, bro, you're totally normal. Normal nothing's wrong with you. And they would pull me aside and be like, Hey, is everything happening at home? I would never tell them out of fear. And a lot of it, I just didn't know that this was not normal to get spanked so much. I gave my life to Jesus when I was 14 and something radically changed in the Mennonite groups. When you give your life to the Lord and get baptized, you immediately become a member. And so right after my baptism, there was an instant change. The Holy spirit rested upon me and I called everyone in the church right after I, I gave my life to the Lord and everyone thought I was crazy. They were like, Jojo, this is going to wear off. Uh, be careful because pride might be entering your heart. But one woman encouraged me. She was about 15 years older. 
than me. And she said, Jojo, don't let anyone poop on your day. God has called you in a unique gifting. Go after that. There's a, you have a calling to go. And I've held on to those words. She's the only one that encouraged me. And so the next couple of years, I became so religious, like Saul in the Bible before he converted to Paul. I started religiously hitting people over the head with judgment, with the word of God. Um, I was the person you saw on the street holding up signs. All drunkards will gnash their teeth in hell forever. I was the one riling up people in their bars, making them very angry. Instead of just drawing them to the love of Jesus and allowing the Holy Spirit to encounter them, I was like instigating fights and stuff like that, not physically, but like verbally. And so I got wrapped up in it. I became very zealous. And that's the thing about my personality is I'm a real life emoji. And if I do something, I go in all the way. I don't hold back. Like I go all in. I don't, there's no questions. I just go all in and I believe wholeheartedly. But Miss Peggy, what happened was I started destroying the body of Christ and I didn't even know it. And so now I'm 18 and my parents are done with the Mennonite church. They're like, everyone's hypocrites here. They don't do missions. Um, the church wouldn't support our family to do missions for a number of reasons. And we're always different because we're from the outside. We don't speak German, which was the original language of the church. And so we're sort of different already. So my parents said, okay, we're leaving this church. And they moved in with the Hutterites. And I know I'm saying a lot of these really strange words that you may have never heard before, but these are people that live among us. The Mennonites number in the millions. The Hutterites, the Hutterites are from a man named Jacob Hutter about 500 years ago from the 1500s. He was a man that left Austria because of religious persecution. I'm talking from the dark ages. These people are direct descendant from Austria. They migrated over to America with the pilgrims. They set up these little colonies and they have everything in common. So we ate breakfast together at 6.30 in the morning. We had lunch at 12. We had, you know, supper at six o'clock every day, like a drill. We all ate in one hall together. You we had like everything in common and no one. It was a hundred percent community. It was a commune. Wow. Full commune. And we had everything in common. No one made their own money. If we needed to go to store, we had to have someone escort us. But yeah, did, did you have any questions? No, go ahead. And so I'm living this life. I'm 18 years old. And something strange starts happening to me at night. Not only have I had demonic oppression at night for years, ever since I was five years old. I all of a sudden would wake up at like two in the morning with an intense burning in my heart. Like I needed to birth something and I didn't know what it was at first, but then I would grab a pen and a paper and songs would just pour out into the pages. Like in 15 minutes, they were like downloaded by automation. And then I would teach these songs to the choir. And then all the kids would run around singing these songs, like, give your life away for something that will last. And everyone's like, who wrote that song? Where did you hear that? Did you hear it on the radio? Because no one was allowed to listen to the radio. And they're like, Jojo taught us the song. And everyone's like, whoa, you write music. And I'm like, well, it just sort of happened. I didn't like intentionally mean to. And I got in trouble for it because it was creating a revival within the church that was causing young people to rise up and question things. Oh. And so I'm just allowing the Holy Spirit to lead here. I'm, I'm, given a, I'm given a version of my testimony that's going to definitely be speaking to someone that listens to this. Even if it's just you that are blessed, that's perfect. And so I started getting a, a persecuted for writing music. 
mind you, I'm not getting outside influence. So I'm having night paralysis. And then I, I wake up completely soaked because I'm having to sleep on a plastic bed at age 18. And then I'm waking up inspired by the Holy Spirit without being oppressed. It was a huge war that was going on in my life, and I didn't know what it was. Yet this whole time I was judging people. So the age of 19, I'm out there playing hockey one winter. Now we're living in Minnesota. We moved around so much um, as, as, a, as a family. And we're practicing. First five minutes in the game, my friend was bringing a helmet. And a young man slap-shotted a hockey puck right into my mouth, just shattered my face, almost slipped my um, lip wide open. It was just a mess. I had to go to the emergency room. The doctors thought I was going to lose the most of my teeth. They were just all loose. So my, I go home. My face is wired shut, and I thought God judged me. And I didn't know what I did wrong because I had done everything perfect. And so and I start slipping into the most – worst depression you can ever imagine. I started feeling hollow inside. I didn't want to live anymore. I didn't want to eat. And Hitler talks about this in his book, Mein Kampf, the inner fight we go through. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer speaks on it as well, especially with the Mein Kampf, the inner fight, the dark night of your soul. And I believe each one of us like goes through that dark night where we just think dark things. And we just struggle with life's questions like, why are the babies starving in the streets overseas? Why are mothers getting kicked out of their homes? Why are young girls getting raped? Why are men losing their jobs and then choosing drugs? Like these things that us as humanity haven't solved homelessness. Like there's a lot of stuff like debt versus, you know, it's like there's thousands of questions that we can't solve and it can frustrate the human soul. Were you feeling like I was God just was questioning everything? No, because I felt like God was this ancient man up in the sky that was going to zap me with lightning bolt if I did anything wrong. Okay. But I started to become bitter. I started to become bitter at God. I was not angry at Jesus. I knew Jesus died for my sins and saved me, but I was angry at the Father because I felt like he was responsible. And one day after a long day of work, I went home to find there was a raging argument going on in my house. And I walked in the front door, closed the door behind me. It was freezing cold outside, only to hear a heated argument going on between my mom and dad. They're like, my dad's name is Joe, which is why I'm called Jojo. He's like, my mom's like, Joe, why? Why is our son writing this music? It's inspired by the devil. And my mom and dad were going back about it, talking about it. And my mom was blaming my dad for buying the guitar for me. And my dad was trying to tell her that he'll take care of the issue. And they were arguing about it. And my mom was telling him that it was demonically inspired. And I turned to leave and my dad stopped me. He said, no, you're the one that's causing all of our marriage issues right now stop writing music he just basically told me to straight out stop and at that moment i broke i went straight to my room i didn't say anything other than just try to defend my case for a few seconds and then i just left i went to my room threw a pillow around my head to stop the argument and just cussed god out for the first time ever i threw every name at him i could and i'm, I'm ashamed i did that but i was i was done i snapped i broke and remember i'm in the middle of my mind comp I'm in the middle of my dark night of the soul. I'm in the middle of my inner fight, just questioning everything about life. And my face is wired up. Like, I felt like I had gotten judged for no reason. And every time I would do music, I felt like God was slapping me before this gift. Because I believed at that time, God did give you gifts. That if you became a doctor, it's because God gave you the gift of being a doctor. Well, a week later, I am, I'm still working. I go to take a 3 o'clock nap. We have a 3 o'clock, 30-minute break we took every day religiously. And 
I set my alarm for 20 my, 29 minutes to take a nap. And the minute I laid down on my bed, my neck snapped. And it wasn't like my bone broke. It was an audible crack that I heard and I couldn't move. I was paralyzed. And I saw my body. I, I separated from my body and I stood up next to my bed and my hand started going through my dresser. Like I realized I was a spirit and everything was crystal clear. It's just like the way you can see your house right now, there was not a single digit missing. There was nothing that was fuzzy. Everything was so crystal clear. It felt like I was awake. And then I started hearing things supersonically. I heard voices from miles away and I started panicking. I tried to get back into my body and it didn't work. I started irrationally trying to get back into my body, thinking that maybe my spirit and my flesh could connect again. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And I wasn't breathing. I could watch myself and I wasn't breathing. And so I just, out of desperation, I ran right through my wall. And I just felt like a light wind went right past me as I went through the materials. And I started screaming in the community, help, 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 someone help me. And there's this woman walking past going to the, the wash house that was in the middle of the colony. She just had a baby on her hip. And she didn't even hear me. And then someone walked through me and I was like, these people can't even see me. They were like, eyes were glazed over like they couldn't see the spirit realm. And I heard a car start miles away. I heard someone arguing about dinner. I heard a baby laugh. I heard someone scream. Like all this information was overloading on me like a cheese grater on my mind. And at that moment of desperation, an angel showed up next to me and he's about nine foot tall next to me. And he says, it's time for judgment. And I'm like, okay. What am I doing here on earth? I'm not, I'm trapped out of what I can, what I can do. So I decided to leave. I willfully lift off the earth. And as we started leaving the earth, we started going through these levels. And on each one of these levels that we passed, as we left earth, there was three distinct levels. There were demons running on these levels. They, some looked like rhinoceroses. Some looked like starved humans, like in the human form. Some had like caved in heads. Some had huge bulging foreheads. And they were all like this dark gray tone. And they were all arguing with each other. They were all fighting. Some looked super starved. Some were hugely obese. And they were all fighting. But they were pouring down onto the face of the earth. And this is crystal clear. And I had done like a couple dream checks. Like I had pinched myself twice already to make sure this was not fake. And now I'm like, okay, fully convinced that I'm gone. So I'm leaving earth. And I'm seeing this huge war going on. And these huge light beams as the earth went into like this globe below me as Angel and I just start leaving. And I saw the demons trying to squash the light that was on earth. And the light shot up like sunbeams, like crazy powerful spotlights into the sky. And they would dogpile on that, but it was like whack-a-mole because the instant they would dogpile on one, and there was hundreds of thousands of demons, multitudes and armies of them. And they were arguing, go this way, go that way. And they were, they, no one can make up their mind. But the minute they would squash one light, another one like in Guatemala would just spring forth. And then one in the US would spring up and then one in Africa would shine out. And I was like, that is the good on earth that God has placed there. Instant later, as the earth went out of view, my body collided into a wall of water. And it's interesting because in the Bible, it actually says that when God created the earth, there was a firmament below and the firmament above. And it, I could dive into the details, but I'm suspended in this wall of water now. And the angel is now in front of me. And I can see very clearly what he looked like. And he was this incredibly tall warrior angel, huge muscles, just like in Psalms, it says God wraps his mighty arms around you. This dude has huge arms. It looked like he had been in a thousand wars. 
And I was shocked. And he's like, you need to let all the air that is within you out. You cannot take anything that is within you to where we are going. He didn't say where we are going. He just told me to let it all go to surrender. And I fought, I was like, no. I, and so I let out a little bit. And as I let out my air, he said, he said specifically, let all that is of earth out of you. And so I let the air out and it would disappear into this wall of water. And I'm in this like suspended in it. I can't move now, but I have the decision to hold on to my breath forever. And I fought it for a while. And then I finally surrendered to the fact that I'm going to embrace the unknown versus holding on to what I know. The minute I let go of that last little bit of air, our bodies transformed through the, the wall of water and right below us was the throne room. And it was a blinding light that hit my eyes. I'm like, I'm like shielding my face at this moment because we started descending so fast. My belly started like tickling, just like when you go over a hill too fast or you drop in the elevator. Uh-huh. We don't have those elevators anymore. But it was a scary feeling as I dropped down. Moments later, we touched down into the, the throne room. And I knew it was a throne room because there was a huge stadium way bigger than a football stadium with angels on bleachers that went up to the tops and they were all standing at attention like Marines. Every nationality was there that I could see. And to my left, as I looked to my left, I saw God sitting on a throne. He's just a little bit bigger than my angel, but his face shone as bright as the sun, just like John says in Revelation. And I'm shielding my eyes from it. because I'm just seeing it. And I see him literally drinking out of a white coffee mug. It was a lot bigger than this one. And he takes a sip and I'm like, the creator is sitting on his rear end. (laughs) I raged against God at that moment, thinking that he wasn't doing anything. (laughs) And as I thought all these bad thoughts about him, all of a sudden this surround sound voice comes booming around me. Let judgment begin. And I'm, I'm like startled into a terror, realizing that it is time for judgment. My life popped up on these three huge hologram screens in front of me, big enough for everyone to see. They're roughly 12 foot tall. And you could see through them, but my life was showing up the same time on each one. My life started in 1995 when I was born in Texas. My mom was holding like a little baby. She had an in-home birth. Parents were like, oh, such a beautiful little boy. And I'm like, I haven't even seen this in pictures. Yet I'm watching this happen. And I saw myself grow up and not any really good memories happen. I saw myself getting angry. I saw myself getting beat. I saw myself like doing cutting corners in school. And I was like, this is my life. A lot of bad stuff was happening. And then I saw myself go to take the nap. And it felt like a day or two had passed. Like this took a long time to watch. And not a single expression. God didn't say a word. The angels didn't say a word. We could hear the sounds. But I was watching it in third person, locked. I could not control what was going on. I went to go take a nap, and I'm thinking, no, 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 stop. Don't, don't, don't lay down. Please don't lay down. I hear an audible crack, and the screens fold up, and that was the end of my life. And everyone's just standing there at attention like Marines, just not even a single expression. And I'm like, I couldn't even hear a pin drop. And I'm thinking, I'm like, what is next? And all of a sudden, I hear this surround sound voice that came from everywhere. <laughs> And I heard, is his name in the book of life? And I'm like, oh, I forgot about the book of life. It says, if your name is not found in the book of life, you will be cast out. Like you're not going to be with God for eternity if your name is not in the book of life. And I looked to my right and the angel that took me from earth is holding this huge notebook. The pages were so thick. 
can't really see it, but it looked like millions of names were written in it, but the pages were glowing. And he's reading through these names out loud. Daniel, Jessica, Kaylin. He had this deep voice. And I could hear all these names. And I was like, my name better be in the book of life. <laughs> and at this point, I had no recollection of Jesus. I had no recollection of, you know, doing good things for the Lord. None of that. And I was terrified. And I, I thought at one time, I was like, what if I claim, claim the name like Timothy? What if I said Joseph? I mean, Jojo's close enough to Joseph. I mean, it's sort of short for that. Yeah, that's me. And I'm like, no. No, I'm going to accept my fate. The same angel that took me from earth will probably take me away. The moment I surrendered again, all of a sudden I hear this electrifying, booming voice. Jojo, I hear it. And God leaps off his stone. The coffee mug disappears. He throws it those out like it just disappears and he stands in front of me and says jojo this whole time you thought i was a stern angry god but i'm here to show you who i who i really am and he just shoots me with this avenger like laser beam this rainbow laser beam right into my soul and he says i'm here to heal you and he, he just wraps me in this fatherly love and i look down and i'm shocked i'm in shock that God is acting this way. He says, Georgia, you are not ashamed to stand up for me in public. You are not ashamed to say my name. You are not afraid to glorify me. And he goes on, you thought this whole time I was a certain way, but this is how I see you. And he shows my life from the beginning to the end when I died in my bed. And it was only good, good, good. He showed me when I helped our neighbors harvest his cherry trees. He showed me when I helped my sister give her a cold cup of water. He showed me when I was kind to my younger brother. He showed me all these moments in life that he took special interest in. And he says, this whole time, you thought I was angry. I know I just said that, but like, it was crazy because he was telling me, breaking off this old religious mindset that I had. And he was creating a new man. Looking down again, I'm seeing bitterness and lying and hate and cheating just flying off me like molten lava. It was like slag that was just going and I'm watching this disintegrate into the air. And God is just shooting me with it. And I, I'm like trying to look into his face, but I can't see, I can see an outline. It's literally like looking in the sun, but yeah, I'm feeling so loved. I'm feeling this virtual hug that he's given me. And he's like four or five feet away. Like he's right in front of me, but yeah, he's all around me. And as I get to experience this forgiveness, I start feeling forgiven of all the hate I had given him. I start weeping, knowing that I'll never, ever have to experience darkness again, knowing that I'll never, ever have to wet my bed, knowing that I'll never, ever feel pain again. I started experiencing all these emotions of joy for the first time. And as I wept, these hot tears came down and they would leave my face and then they wouldn't even touch the floor. And I looked up through my tears. I was like, why are my tears not hitting the floor? He said, I caught every single one of them. And in Psalms, it says he puts her tears in a bottle. And I'm like, you catch my tears. And he said, I've caught every single tear anyone has cried. And I was like, blown, mind blown. And God starts showing me his true heart for me. He reveals to me that all the music that I had been writing was directly from him, that he instigated it all along. And I was just undone. I was undone because now I'm in a renewed body. The angels around me, the moment they heard my name in the book of life, they started shooting these huge rocket launchers, these bazooka launchers. It was nuts. 
these giant fireworks in the sky and they were singing over and over holy holy is the lord god almighty praise be to the lamb that was slain and they said so many more things but i just was like thank you god thank you father for this and it was the most ex crazy experience i could have ever imagined because i'm fully forgiven and the father is showing his love to me after this experience god just goes off on a tangent with my guardian angel he starts asking him questions about my life they were talking about one time when i was turning nine my parents had forgotten for a brief moment how old i was and so they had to ask one of us kids how old are you jojo and they were all laughing about it because my mom and dad had so many kids but yet my mom and dad had such a good heart that they wanted to celebrate my birthday still how many did they have and god just took eight eight of okay. us okay. yeah i mean our neighbors had 14 so like i could I, that's a lot but anyways a lot of birthdays having eight children um pretty much i had 14 month, but most were adopted <laughs> i love that and so I'm listening to God. I'm like, he's an absolute hoot, not hoot as in like a comedian, but he's so full of joy. He's so loving. And his personality that he showed to me right then and there was that of a flamboyant pink unicorn that was excited to live life, like a real life emoji. And he was just like, all right, so Jojo, I have two things I'm going to teach you, my word and music. And that my heart just lit up because I he first told me I was, he was going to teach me his word, and that alone made me so happy. In the first lesson, he grabbed the word righteous, which is perfect because I use that word like, you need to be righteous. He grabbed that word, and he, he said, you've thought this whole time this is just face value. But behind this word, there's so many more meanings. Your earthly eye could only see what it looks like from the surface, but with your spiritual eyes, you can see what's behind it. He grabbed it, flipped it over, and I could see, like, so many meanings behind it to live it out to be clothed with to to bless others with like righteousness is something we can act righteous is a action verb that we do every day that we renew our minds it's just like it was a nut that there was so many meanings behind the word and i was only focusing on one word and so my heart's just like over bubbling with joy and he, assi he assigns me a woman angel and so she comes up to my left, my guardian angels to my right. And this, he had been through so many battles. I don't know how many battles he had been through. I never heard his name, but they both started teaching me music as God opened the doors of the kingdom of heaven. There was this hill. And on the other side of this hill, I could hear a huge construction like city being built. I heard little children giggling and laughing that God had given kids that had lost their life before birth and at birth a new life in heaven. And I realized that the kingdom of God was realer than earth because everyone had unending energy, unlimited amount of resources, unlimited amount of intelligence and renewed bodies. And I was blown because when I walked in the kingdom of God, there was this music playing that made me feel uncomfortable. I was like, like and it was going at such a heavy beat, but yet there was this huge symphony and orchestra playing along with it. It gave me an adrenaline rush that I wanted to glorify God. And I looked up and there's this bird singing in the air, this high part, looked like a scissor tail from Oklahoma. It's a state bird in Oklahoma. It was black colored though. And all of heaven changed gears and sang with the bird. And everything in heaven was in tune with each other. And at that moment, I knew that everything that God does, everything in heaven drums to the beat of God's heart. 
and it was just wild. It sounded like Coldplay, Lauren Daigle, mm-hmm. Lecrae, all mashed together on this big mixtape. It was just amazing with like three huge orchestras, a hundred thousand person choir. I don't even know if that's possible, but it was mind blowing. First lesson they, they brought up was another hologram stream. God loves technology. And I believe that every piece of technology we have today is really an inspiration from the Lord, but the enemy tries to twist things that are inspired for good to use for evil. And I'm seeing this technology in heaven. That's just nuts. First thing comes up is five part harmony. And I'm used to four part harmony because I taught music and like simple harmony. And he's teaching me that there's another octave beyond what I could hear. And I was like, this is nuts. Then right after that, he just opened the concept for me. He didn't teach me how it worked. Then it was 10 part harmony. He was teaching me that whales and elephants sing at a different octave than humans can even hear. And only when it comes to a certain level do our ears actually allow us to resonate with the sound. And he was teaching me that in heaven, you have an unlimited amount of scale to work with. Al was like, so not only do you have unlimited resources, unlimited amount of energy with unending creative ability, there's no darkness and there's never ending scale. Like you have indefinite composing range. indefinite composure range and i'm like my mind is just like soaking this up like a toddler eating uh, spaghetti for the first time you know and it's like stuffing my face full you know and the angels were laughing with me like they took that moment to experience it with me and they didn't steal my joy during this moment of happiness and just complete bliss i woke up and my alarm was going off 29 minutes later and i felt like i'd been gone for a week and in my book I'm writing, there's so many more details that have been included there. But the main goal here is for you, Miss Peggy, and the listeners that watch this is to know that God has designed you to fulfill a personal calling over your life, to live a purpose-filled life, activated, activated in what God wants for you. Because if you do what God wants for you, you're actually going to be the most joy-filled. Yes, you're going to go through hardship. All humans go through hardship. Being a human is not easy. It's so much, it'd be so much easier to be a computer chip. But there's a reason we weren't invented as computer chips. We're invented as beings that feel emotion, that feel pain. And to know this, I realized that every time I wept, every time I got whipped, every time that someone is hurt wrongfully, God feels that pain. When he says he's all, he's omnipresent, when he's I am who is I am, I'm alpha and omega, I'm beginning and the end. From everything comes God. Whenever a child or anyone is hurt wrongfully, he feels that pain because he's there. And just because he doesn't show up like a little genie on a bottle doesn't mean he can't feel it. And he revealed that to me. And I was just blown away by his intention. And so I speak that like if you're feeling hopeless right now and I I, I, I cry out over your life and activation of the dream that you thought is impossible because God is the God of the impossible. I woke up from that dream. I flipped over onto my bedroom floor and I just started weeping loudly. I'm like, no, 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 I can't be gone. I thought surely many days had passed, but I realized that my alarm was going off 29 minutes. Quickly wrote down as much as I could remember. And my brother runs in the room and he's like, dude, you never cry, what's going on? I went to share my testimony that night with a youth group. A number of them confirmed that the Holy Spirit had been working in our group. I ended up getting kicked out because they thought I had a demon and I wouldn't stop writing music. 
Um, and in a separate vision later on, God told me to leave because I was trying to save the church, but he revealed to me that it was a dead horse. This thing was dead. This religion has been dead for hundreds of years. Jojo, it's time for you to move on. He's going to work on those people's hearts. And I pray that they experience the love of Jesus. So since then, excuse me. Did your next snap? 2000. So I was not clinically dead according to doctors, but I had a vision where I died. Like I can't explain it any other way. You know, I suffocated into my pillow as I, as I went to sleep and I was fully convinced I was dead. But I, I'm very clear there was no doctors there to clinically declare me dead. And no one came into my room while I was sleeping for my nap. And so I always share this as a vision of what I experienced in heaven. But I woke up with two miracles. Well, three miracles that happened. Two, two miracles that people can actually see. One, I no longer wet my bed. It was a miracle. From that day on, I have never wet my bed. Second, I had a disease called celiac disease, which is a leaky gut syndrome. I healed from that. And what would happen is I would eat a donut. I'd get a raging rash and fall asleep in 30 minutes. Since I woke up from that, I can eat, I've eaten gluten for close to five years now and never have once had an allergic reaction. So I have no other way to explain those two miracles other than to realize that this was real. And believe me, the devil has tried to steal this story many times from me. But I, I waited um, four years to go public with it. I went public with it last year, June. And it just hit, hit YouTube like a tidal wave. It was amazing to see how many people got blessed with it. But the goal is to build the kingdom of Jesus, not to create a celebrity gospel. So one day, JoJo is going to be in the grave. And my heart is that the kingdom of God will have grown while I was here on earth. That the body of Christ becomes healthier, becomes more beautiful because JoJo decided to step into his calling. And JoJo actually helped the church get activated. And so my cry is that not only will I help activate people's dreams, but I'm also here to transform the way the church even thinks, to realize that God is a God of love, that he is a God that wants us to have a personal relationship with him. And that's preached, but that's not lived out. And so I'm here to call out the dream and anyone that's listening, including you, Miss Peggy, that I hope to God it doesn't take a near-death experience for you to experience them because God loves to encounter people when they're alive. He'd rather encounter you and have a relationship with you on earth right now versus, you know, later. He's still going to love that relationship later, but he wants that relationship with you right now. Did this help your songwriting? I'm so sorry. Say that one more time. Your songwriting, did it change your love of music and after hearing that music in heaven? It just mag it magnified. It realized it gave me full freedom to compose with other instruments I had stayed away from. I had stayed away from drums for the longest time. And because they were I was taught that drums were from the devil. They're not. God invented the drum first. The enemy has always taken something good and tried to pervert it. Period. He told you that that drums He's were done that with So in the Mennonite church, I believe that the drum, the percussion drum was used to summon uh, demons and demon worships. They'd always focus on like all uh -huh. the really crazy things that would happen instead of realizing that drums are a vital piece of rhythm, drums are a vital piece of heaven's orchestra. And even in the Old Testament, drums were used consistently with the Israelites in the Old Testament. So, and it says to sing him with instruments, you know, but I'm not here to pick out, pick apart the rules. I'm here to help people break free from the rules. 
to realize that God has called you to live a, a, a life full and free, sin-free. God's called you to live and walk in righteousness. And now, are you a minister now? <laughs> or you just go around churches and speak or what do you do? I'm a part of the greater body of Jesus. I would consider myself like non-denominational. I don't like to put myself with a, like a certain uh, group. But yes, I unapologetically, I unapologetically share the gospel of Jesus to anyone that is in front of me. What would you say to uh, that's people in the prisons? that are still in the judgment era? <laughs> yeah, I asked you one question. Um, and it's a red pill versus blue pill illustration. I don't know if anybody's watched The Matrix. But basically what God is asking is he says, do you want to have a relationship with me? Are you willing to wake up from the stupor that you're in? And to realize that the religious system is what crucified Jesus. The religious system yeah. actually put Jesus on the cross. That is the strongest demonic force we have in the world. Most people think that it's the Satanist movement. That's the strongest. Um, it's not. It's the religious system that is the strongest demonic force in the world. It has been around before the Satanist movement. Satan inspired deep religion before he inspired um, devil worship, I believe, because we see it in the, even in the pages of history, we, we see so much religion happening. And then now recently we've seen a lot of public Satan worship, but believe me, he's used religion way longer. It's way more effective. I know people so I ask committed suicide because I'm sorry. What? Oh, oh so go right they, ahead. I know people that's committed suicide. They got caught with say pot, and they're so afraid what their religious parents would think they commit suicide. You know, a lot of people. That's yeah, absolutely um, tragic because. And and you yeah, know, ahead, there's so many of us that have been run out of churches because we were judged for a million things. That didn't fit into a box. Yeah. Yeah, well, remember this one thing. If you got ran out of the church, so did Jesus. Um, I think he got kicked out of synagogues. People wanted to kill him because he actually spoke a gospel that you could have a direct relationship with the Father. And I'm not here to preach a new gospel. I'm here to preach, go search the scriptures. For in it, you will have Though there, go find the scriptures because in that is the word of life. The Bible can't save you, but it will show you what God's heart is like. Take the old lens off and just say, Lord, I ask that you would allow me to see this with a clean slate. Yeah. I was recently uninvited. Transformed. Uh, I was recently uninvited to speak at a church. Um, somebody sent a report about me. I wasn't allowed to see what it said. But they said that I say all these things in my podcast that I don't say, but some report, I don't know what it was supposed to have said, but so they uninvited me and they had a new ager come in and because that's more in tune with what they want to hear is that it's like there's unity churches. This wasn't a unity church because I put it in that category of the unity churches. They're more, it seems to me like anti-Christian, a lot of them, not all of them. And, and you can be too Christian for churches. <laughs> Yeah, there's, I mean, I'm really sorry that happened. I'm not here to judge at all or the intentions, but I, I will say you're being faithful with doing what you know is right. Keep doing that. We're not here to chase after the masses. We're here to chase after the one that's lost. 
And that's what Jesus did. He, he left the 99 and he went and found that one. And that's what he did with me. I was that one lost sheep that was just blowing dynamite holes into the bride of Christ. And he's like, this has to stop. So just like Saul had this crazy encounter on the road to Damascus, God encountered me in a crazy radical way. And thank God I wasn't blind when I woke up because my the shells had fallen off my eyes to see the truth. And that's what makes the religious system the most angry is when you question, hey, this intention behind this is actually control, not to seek the Father's heart. Ooh, and did they oppress women? Yes, that's another reason why I left. They consistently pushed women down. My mother would probably be the greatest evangelist of all time if the church had not pushed her down. Instead, she became very religiously cold. And I believe that God's going to revive my mother. I speak that. I speak that over my mother. She birthed me. I love her for that. But the devil also used her to beat me unmercifully. Like just, and I feel so bad. My heart's full of compassion. Like I had no bitterness. Like I just want her to be loved, you know? And she treats my younger siblings way better, which I'm so grateful for. But um, my testimony is something that my parents hate. But I'm not here to please man, you know? Your, your parents <laughs> don't like your testimony? Yeah, I'll say that publicly. Um, they've taken the fight publicly, and, and so will I. I will respectfully say that they have gone to great lengths to try to stop this work of God. And I just think that I, I'm, I'm grateful that the community has woken up. The outside community has woken up and made it go viral. Um, but I mean, I'm, you're just I'm telling your experience. Like, What's your not to lie? Exactly. And that's what I will continue to do. I will always continue to speak that because that's what God has called me to do. I'm not here to throw people underneath the bus, but I'm also here to speak the truth. Right. I think that's all we all have to do yeah. is speak our truth and allow other people to speak theirs. They don't have to be ours. Absolutely. Yeah. God's called us to judge with righteous judgment. And what that means is literally to let God be the final judge. We can say, oh, that person has black hair or that person is beautiful or that person was acting angry, but we're not called to judge intention. Like the reason that that person threw that can across the store was because they were high on that. They could have slipped and their elbow could have hit it. Like you never know. Like, we're not called to judge intentions because that is the heart matter. We're called to judge what happened actually facts and to let God take care of the feelings. And that just make our world so much peaceful. <laughs> well, I thank you. Um, so you're it's, working on a book, right? It's my pleasure. Today I finished editing it. So now we're actually going into final book design, pray, because this is my first book I'm self-publishing. I'm new to this. I'm a baby in this industry. And God specifically gave me a vision of a $2 billion hedge fund that is to be used for mission purposes. And this vision scared me at first. But then I realized you got all it would take would be 100 million people. You got so what? just to explain how <laughs> incredible vision that God has given me, the calling he has over my life. He has called me to raise up $2 billion to put into a mission fund to give eternally. This is not for my personal use. This is for the building of the kingdom of God. This is to fund missionaries. This is to fund plane tickets so missionaries can get from point A to point B. This is for us to have a retreat area so people can recharge. This is for us to fund orphanages 
And I did the math and it'd be a hundred million people giving $20. And that type of radical vision that God's called me to do is some, one of the small things that he said, this is something I've highlighted to you that needs to be fixed in the church. Because right now, most churches operate out of a need. They always need money. They never get their finances right. But God's called us to be wise stewards of the money he's given us. Instead of continually asking, we should take our money and double it. But yet most people don't do that. And it's a, I, it's a brand new concept. So it's very unpopular, but I'm really excited to, pre to present this to the body of Christ and saying, hey, we don't have to live in desperate need anymore. God is a God of abundance. All right. So are you going to yeah, start so a thank church? Thank you so much, Miss Peggy. Are you thinking? No, ma'am. I'm, uh, I'm a revivalist. So I, I travel to all the churches. I'm not here to start okay. a new cult. I'm here to just live a full blast ministry of loving people. Are, are you part of a team? Are you a one-man show? <laughs> Absolutely, yes. You're part no, of a team? No, ma'am. I'm not a one-man show. I have six different mentors. Three of them are men. Three of them are women. All of them are um, let me, let's say they're wise because of their age, but they're wise because of the results that they have. They all have beautiful families. They're all filled with the Holy spirit. And I'm, I'm very accountable to these people. And so I'm grateful for them. I do not do this alone. I am married. My wife is a spirit powerhouse, Holy spirit powerhouse. Mm -hmm. And so I don't walk this life alone. I've decided not to do that. I can't, I could go really fast alone but I believe we're going to go a lot further if we go together. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, I wish you all the luck in the world. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I wish blessings over you, Miss Peggy. I appreciate you having me on your podcast TV show. Okay. I, I really am excited for its success. If you have any other people you run into that um, have had a spiritual experience like this or your death experience, send them my way. I will. This is so exciting. And I would love to get all your, um, like, the videos that you've previously done. I would love to watch those. So. Yeah. Um, this will go on that channel. Um, this will be done, like, later tonight. And I will send it to you in an email. And um, it'll be done, like, by this evening. And then it'll be on that channel. I'll send you a link to the channel, too. And all the videos are on there. Like, over 100 now. I just started 316 last year. March 16th. Wow. Praise the Lord. Let's go. We'll keep the good work, my friend. All right. Thank you. All righty. God bless you.